Thanks for listening to our Faith Church podcast. Let's listen to today's message. 2 Corinthians, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I, I want to talk about mountains moving this morning. Mountains moving. And we live in a world that's very corrupt. It's full of demonic spirits. It's not more powerful than Christ, but we've got to acknowledge what's going on in our world. We've got to acknowledge who our enemy is. We've got to acknowledge that there are attacks happening all over. And because of understanding, when I look at the word and I understand the word, I realize that I myself need to be strengthened in Christ regardless of what goes on in the world. I have to be strong. You have to be strong. God would speak often and he'd say to different leaders, one of the things he'd say is be strong and courageous. Meaning you're going to come against an onslaught. You're coming against something that's very big, something very difficult. Be aware of who you are in Christ. You have power. You have authority in Christ to see healings and miracles and deliverance. It's no accident that Pastor John and Molly were here this morning to encourage us because we're seeing it here. They're seeing it in California. We're seeing it all over the world. God is moving by his spirit. He is causing his spirit to come alive in a company of believers who are willing to go after God. It's no believers that are more special than anybody else, but they're aware that they have power and authority in who they are in Christ, but they're also aware of fighting the right fight. We've got to fight the right fight. I talk about this all the time because I think there's struggles with believers. We fight the wrong fights. We don't know who our enemy is. And because we don't understand who our enemy is, we fight against people rather than principalities and power. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 4, and I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Let me stop there. I want to start with this so you understand my position I never give glory to Satan, never. But I acknowledge what authority realms he has. And we need to acknowledge, right here we see in verse 4, Satan is the God of this world. I need you to understand, God has given Satan for a season permission to be the God of this world. And the reason that's important is because you've got to understand who you're fighting Satan has realms of authority in the world. Satan has realms of authority. And some Christians, well-meaning, well-meaning, but will say, well, God's in charge of everything. No, he's actually not. Now, God can sovereignly move things around, which he does, especially for end times purposes. He'll raise up kings or he'll move nations or he'll have this or that. But God can do that. But understand, the God of this world is, it is at work all over the place. And it says that Satan is the God of this world. You need to understand, we live in the world. We live in this world where Satan is running things. And if you don't believe that, just look around and see all the stuff that's going on in our nation. This isn't the work of God. Well, why would God allow that? God's not allowing it. Satan's the God of this world. You have to understand, 
He's the one who puts the spirit of murder in people. He's the one who puts the spirit of hatred. He's the one who puts the spirit of anger in people. He's the one that causes people to do the things that they do that are evil. It's Satan. He's the God of this world, and he has a measure of authority to do certain things. And that's why once we understand that, it can lead to us having authority over him. But if you don't know who your enemy is, so many people think their enemy is their spouse. Are their enemies their parents? Are their enemies their boss? Are their enemies the president of whatever Republican or Democrat party? Or the, the governor? Or this? That's not your enemy. Satan's your enemy. And once you understand you're fighting Satan, and I, and I say this so much because it feels like the minute I say it, people leave the parking lot and keep fighting people. I'm like, I just told you you're not fighting flesh and blood. But you get in your car and you start fighting your children. You're not fighting your children. You're fighting a spirit that's in them. You're not fighting your spouse. You're fighting a spirit that they're dealing with. You're not fighting your, your, yourself. You're, you're dealing with a spirit. Your boss. Your work. You understand you're dealing with the God of this world. The God of this world has a level of authority. Where God's authority reigns is for people that serve him. So while I can live in a world where Satan has authority, I also live under the authority of Christ, which is greater than the authority of Satan. And so while, while the enemy is at work and he's doing his thing, God, because I serve God, because I serve God as my father, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. And because he is my father, I can now come under his authority, even though this authority is still at work. So God's authority is in my life. God's working in my life. God's authority. God puts protection, hedge around me, around my home. But the enemy's still at work. I didn't stop the enemy from doing what he does in the world, but I can stop the enemy from what he's doing in me because of who I am in Christ. So when you say, well, I'm just going to cast the devil out and he won't bother me anymore and he won't bother me, Satan still has authority in this realm. He can still come and go as he wants. And people can still take up spirits any way they want to take up spirits. Even believers take on spirits. Spirits of anger, spirits of bitterness, spirits of fear, spirits of torment, spirits of sickness, infirmity, spirits, all types of spirits. Unforgiveness. We can take those on if we want. We don't have to. But God wants to remove it. But notice what he says in verse 4. He says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Every person who doesn't believe in God and serving God is blind. The Bible says he's blinded the minds of those who don't believe. And so when you look around our nation, you look around, why don't they do this or why don't they do that? You look around your job and things like that. How come this is going on? Because Satan's blinded them. They're blind. When you understand you're dealing with blind people, it changes your compassion. When I'm talking to somebody and I know they're blind, my heart goes out to them because they're blind. They can't see that they're tripping over that rock or falling into that hole. They can't see the, the stumbling blocks that are in front of them. When you're blind, you can't see. And Satan said, has blinded and deceived the world. That's why when you look at our nation, you look at our government, you look at our leaders, you look at so many people, that's why you go, how can they do this? They're blind. 
They can't see the truth. When you can't see the truth, and they, they end up listening to the voice of Satan. You're going to follow some voice, and if you're not following God's voice, you're probably going to follow the enemy's voice. But where the challenge comes in for the church, where the challenge comes in for the believers is, we're not supposed to be blind. We're supposed to see the works the enemy's doing, and we're supposed to stop them. But the challenge with the church is this. We have believers that because they're spending too much time in the world and watching what the world's doing and concerned with the, what the world's doing, the believers b- pick up the spirit of the world, which is blindness, and you've got believers walking in blindness who should be walking in sight. You should have seen the enemy coming. And, and understand, the enemy can attack any of us any time. I don't care if you've been saved five minutes or 50 years. It doesn't matter. The enemy can attack and he can bring things in. But it's on us to see, oh, that's from the enemy. I'm not taking that. But we get caught up with the world. We get caught up with the God of this world. We get caught up with the news. If you're spending more time in the news than you are in the word of God, you're going to have some blindness in you. Well, I'm all worked up about what's going on in our schools, in our nation, with our leaders. I'm all worked up. Why are you worked up? This is what Satan does. This is who he is. I, I, I can't stop the blind from being blind unless they're willing to give their life to Christ. That's why the Bible says pray for those who have authority over you. Why do I pray? So they get saved. So they give their life to Christ. So they'll serve Christ and they'll give their, and they'll be able to see. Because they have a measure of authority. They have a measure of power that I can't stop the works of Satan in other people's lives, but I can stop it in mine. Seeing requires faith. Seeing requires faith. Believers, people of God, this is a challenge for the church. Faith is one of those words that we struggle with. We struggle with faith. Because when we see what's going on in the world, faith is not usually the first thing that comes up in us. Fear is. Torment. Lies. And the reason it is is because we focus on what we're seeing rather than what we should be seeing. Go with me to Hebrews 11. You can keep your finger in 2 Corinthians 4, but I want to jump over to Hebrews 11 for a split second. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let me explain what that means in verse 3. By faith we understand that the world's refrained by the word of God so that the things which are seen are not made of the things which are visible. By faith, we understand that the world's refrained by the word of God. So God framed the world. He framed it. He set it in place. So that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. There is a difference between what is seen and what is visible. Let me explain this. Because they are direct opposites. The things that are visible is murders, death, destruction, sickness, poverty, uh, injustice, uh, all these things, anger, unforgiveness, hatred. These are the things that are visible. 
If, if you are awake in this year, 2022, these are things that are visible to all of us. We see the destruction that is going on in our nation and around the world. The destruction is massive. They're visible to all of us. We can understand them. We can see them. We are living in horrible times from the world's aspect. The world has no answer. The world is spinning. They are spinning. They're trying to grab a hold of things to slow the spin, and they can't slow the spin because the only thing you can grab to slow the spin is Jesus. And they keep trying to grab onto things. Well, maybe if we do this, we'll pass this law or we'll do this. It'll change. It's not going to change because the enemy's still running things. And he says, the things which are seen, they're different from the things that are visible. So that means I need to start seeing things that aren't visible. I need to start seeing things in the spirit realm that aren't visible in the natural realm. For example, in the spirit realm, you're healed. In the natural realm, you're sick. In the spirit realm, your marriage is put back together. In the natural realm, it looks like you're heading for divorce. In the spirit realm, you are suffering, or in the spirit realm, you have uh, everything you need, all the, all the finances you need, all the blessings you need. In the natural realm, the things are visible. It looks like you're on your way to bankruptcy. And what happens is the natural realm gets so strong that the things of faith that we should be seeing can get lost. You can get so sick in your body, you can get so attacked in your finances, you can get so discouraged in your marriage where the things of, that are visible become greater than the things we should see by faith. So you see your child that's struggling. You see he's struggling, he's got an addiction, or he's got a problem. And that visibleness is here. But you need to see above that that he is free by the power of God. You need to see that she is set free. You see the struggle that is going on. You need to see beyond the struggle and see by faith. What is faith? Let me be clear on this. Faith isn't me making stuff up. I just don't make stuff up and say, well, that's faith. Well, I make this up and I declare this is free and that's free. Faith is a word from God. Without a word, I, I can't just make up faith statements. I've got to have God speak to me and God say, show me what this is so that I can release my faith for it. Because some people make up faith and then get upset at God when he doesn't come through for them. The problem is you never had a word from God to start with to put your faith on. In order for me to put my faith, I have to have my faith in the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I have to have a word from the Lord. I, I'm going a little deep today, but I usually do anyway, so it's okay. <laughs> Let's go back to 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. All right, thank you. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 12. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but never abandoned. We get knocked down, but not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that life of Jesus may be also seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus, so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. I want you to see the difference here. Understand what Paul's saying in this passage. He's trying to explain the natural world or the 
what's going on in our natural spirit world is still all the spirit world, but what is going on and what Christ says about it. So when I look at this, I see in verse 8, I might be pressed on every side, but I'm not crushed. You could be pressed on every side. You could feel like everything's closing in you, but it's not. You are not crushed in Christ. When you see beyond the press, you see, oh, I'm not crushed. Satan thought he was going to press me. He thought he was going to put me in a press and squeeze me, but I'm not squeezed. I'm not crushed. Christ is there pushing back the works of darkness against the pressing of the enemy. And though I feel pressed, I might feel pressed. He doesn't say you're not going to feel pressed. You're going to feel pressed. You're going to feel, but you're not crushed. Understand what you're not. Understand who you are. You can be perplexed or you can be overwhelmed, but you're not in despair. You can be overwhelmed. I don't know what to do, but you don't have to go to despair. You don't have to look at despair and go, there's no hope. It'll never turn around. You can be hunted down. You can be attacked, but God will never abandon you. God's always with you. You can feel like you're the most attacked person. You can feel like everybody hates you. Nobody like, but God's not going to abandon you. And if you've got God, you've got the winning ingredient. As long as God's with me, it could be a million people attacking me. I know with one breath of God, they all will disappear. We need the word of God in our spirit. Understand, I could be knocked down, not destroyed. You're going to get knocked down. We all get knocked down. The enemy will knock you down at times, but you don't have to be destroyed. You, can, you may suffer. You may suffer in your body, but when you see the life of Christ, you can live again. See, death will try to attack our bodies. Death will try to attack you and bring you into a place of, of feeling as though, well, I guess I'm just going to die with this sickness. I'm going to die. But when you see this passage, you go, well, wait a sec, that the life of Christ may also be seen. Oh, wait, well, Christ wants to show forth his healing power in my life. While Satan's trying to destroy my body, Christ wants to heal my body. Christ wants to set me free. What is my focus? What am I going to focus on? The death that is at work in me or the life that Christ is working in me? See, it's not that the enemy doesn't exist, but God is greater than any enemy. And where is Jesus in your crisis? Where is his word in your mouth? Where is his thoughts in your mind? Where is his faith in your belief? A lot of times we say we believe. We say we have faith. God, I have faith. I believe. But our mouth sounds like fear. We say we trust God. But our, our mind says we don't. Let me take you over to Mark 11. Let me push this into another gear for us. Mark eleven twenty two. I love this passage. 22 through 24. But Jesus said to them, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. If you want to learn a great passage, learn this passage. Learn math, Mark 11, 22 through 24. Learn this passage. Commit this into your mind, into your spirit. He starts with, have faith in God. Well, faith in God means I trust God. I believe God. 
If God said it, I'm standing on his word. I have my faith in God. I don't put my faith in doctors. I don't put my faith in politicians. I don't put my faith even in pastors or leaders or CEOs or my family. I don't put my faith in my parents. I don't put my faith in anybody. My faith has to be in God. When my faith is in God and I trust God, he's the one who can make up the difference because I serve him. I know the God of this world is trying to destroy. I know this God of this world is trying to blind me. I know he's trying to cause me not to see hope, not to see things change. I know he's trying to attack me. But when I trust God, my eyes open. When I trust God, I can see beyond the visible. I can see beyond what's going on in our nation. I can see what beyond what's going on in my home with my children, with my spouse house, with my finances. I can see beyond. When I trust God, when I have faith in God, when I talk to God, when I know his word, see the thing, the enemy's afraid. He's afraid you're going to learn the word of God, and then he's afraid you're going to believe it. Because a lot of people know God, they just don't believe his word. You can know God and never believe anything he says. People have knowledge of God. Oh, I believe there's a God. I believe in God. Do you actually know him? When was the last time you talked to him? When was the last time? Let's take this further. When was the last time you, he talked to you? Well, every morning I tell him my prayer requests. I don't, he already knows my requests. I need him to tell me his requests. I need him to tell me his answers. I need to know what he's thinking. I need to know what he's saying. Because when I know what he's saying, every mountain that is in my way has to move. Well, pastor, you know, I tried praying and nothing happened. You know, this is why Jesus said, oh, why do you have such little faith? Little faith and I've, I've preached this before. My origins groups know this because we preach it in origins. Little faith is faith that stops short. The disciples had faith. It just ran out after five minutes. And some people's faith after three days of praying, it's like, well, I guess God's not going to answer. I have people say that to me all the time. Well, Pastor, you know, I really prayed about this for a day. And I said, a day? Well, yeah, I prayed for it for a day. And nothing happened. A day. That's all, that's all you prayed for. Sometimes you have to stand in that fight for days, weeks, months, and years. Sometimes you have to keep fighting, keep swinging, keep declaring, keep believing. If you're going to move some mountains, and these demons that we're dealing with are big and strong. If it can get people, if these demons can get people to murder people, to hate people, to steal, rob, to, to sex traffic people, to rape people. If these demons can kill without even feeling remorse, these are big demons. And he says, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Whoever says to this mountain, who are you speaking to? What are you speaking to? 
He, he calls it a mountain. He says, whoever speaks to this mountain, this spirit, this demonic stronghold. You know, Jesus could have picked any words because these are the words of Christ. Jesus could have said, whoever speaks to their husband or wife. Whoever speaks to their children. Whoever speaks to their boss. Whoever speaks to their president or governor. Whoever speaks to their doctor. He could have said that. But he didn't say that. He said whoever speaks to this mountain. So while you're yelling at your spouse and you're yelling at your children, you're not speaking to the mountain. You're speaking to the wrong entity. You're speaking to the wrong thing. You think by yelling at your child or yelling at your spouse, they're going to change. But until you speak to the mountain, that mountain's not going to go down until you learn that the one you're speaking to is Satan's stronghold over their life. And say, well, I know my marriage has trouble. I know my children have. Well, what is the mountain? Because how are you going to speak to a mountain you can't name? What is that mountain? Well, I feel like I'm always sick. I'm always dealing with sick. Well, maybe that mountain's infirmity. Maybe you need to speak to infirmity. Well, I feel like I've always got lack. I never have enough money. I'm always struggling financially. Well, maybe that mountain is lack or a mountain of poverty, a spirit of poverty. Well, I feel like I'm always mad. I'm always angry. Well, maybe that mountain's bitterness, unforgiveness. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed. So while you're too busy fighting flesh and blood, the enemy's going, great, I don't have to move because he isn't speaking to me. He's not even talking to me. He's yelling at his wife. He's yelling at his kids. And I can just stay right here because he ain't telling me. Satan don't mind you yelling at people. Because he knows he's he not being told where to go. He says, whoever says to this mountain, get out. Be removed. Get out of my home. Get out of my children. Get out of my family. Get out of my life. See, you, I, I, I got to keep saying this over and over. You're not fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting principalities and powers. We're fighting rulers in high places. So while you're yelling at everybody, or you're just mad at everybody, and said, you know, it's all, it's all the Republicans' fault, it's all the Democrats' fault, that's not the mountain. I know you think Democrats are the mountain, or Republicans are the mountain. They're not. It's the spirits that are at work in our government. And here's the secret. They're in all of them. Not my party. Yes, your party is full of demons. You might not want to have any party. This is the only party I want. I want to have this party. And that's a real party. I don't know why they call it a party, because it's not a party. <laughs> it's not fun. I don't want to go to it. We're dealing in demonic realms. Oh, Pastor, this is just too deep. This is way too beyond me. I can't, I can't deal on this level. I, I don't know. This is, no, it's not. 
You just have to choose to stop listening to the works of darkness. You have to choose to turn off the news. You have to choose to stop watching what is visible and look beyond the visible to what you can see beyond the mountain. If you can't see beyond the mountain, you'll never be able to see the mountain taken down. If you can't see what God wants to do beyond the mountain, you'll never see the mountain go. So you have to look beyond the mountain. What is this mountain? Who is this mountain? Meaning what spirit am I dealing with? And it might be multiple. And how do I need to tell it to leave? So when I'm talking to God, I'll say, okay, God, what am I dealing with? What's going on here? You know what is funny? In, in all the years I've prayed this and I understood this concept, in all the years, God has never said to me, well, you know, it's a person. Well, you know, it's that person. Now, it might be a spirit in that person. But he never says, you well, know, that, that person is ruining your life. Never said that. He said it's the spirit of unbelief, yes. spirit of fear. Spirit of torment, spirit of bitterness, spirit of anger. And until you're willing to face it, a pastor, I'm just mad. I just can't. I hate what's going on. I'm just mad at the world and I'm mad at everybody. Well, you need to deal with that spirit of anger. And where did it come from? Because if you keep that spirit of anger, you're likely going to pass that on to your children. I don't know why they're angry because you're angry. You impart who you are to them. If you're dealing with spirit activity, they're going to probably deal with the same spirits. Well, I don't know why they're doing it. I told them not to. Well, if you told them not to drink and you're drinking, well, I told them not to smoke this, but you're smoking it? Well, I told them not to watch this, but you're watching it? I told them not to listen. That music's bad, but you're listening to it. See, we don't realize spirits run the world. This is why Jesus had to give us authority over them so that we could tell them to leave us alone. Now, let me explain to you just very simply mountains, because I want you to understand this from the aspect of what you have authority over and what you don't. I just want to hit three levels. First level is your personal level. You have authority over your personal level, attacks, things that are going on in your life. You have authority. Second level is other people in your life. It could be family, it could be children, it could be um, spouses, it could be friends. There's a level of authority, and I'll talk about that in a minute. The third level is governmental levels. Governmental levels is a very interesting one. And I've, listen, I've been around charismatic Christianity all my life, just like the Stearns have. We've seen it all, we've heard it all, and we could probably write the, a bigger book of what it all is and shouldn't be. Because it's out there and it's crazy. And some of the teachings that are out there are genuine, but they don't work. And I want to explain what I mean. If Satan is the God of this world and he's blinded those that are serving him and blinded those that aren't saved, I can't make the blind become unblind. Jesus is the only one who can bring the blind to make them unblind. Jesus is the only one that can open eyes. I can pray that their eyes are opened. So let me give you an example. So we got, let's talk about Rochester, New York. We got the state of New York. We've got a governor. We've got a county executive. We've got mayor. We've got all these politicians. And, 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 I'm, and, and the Bible tells us to pray for them. We're supposed to pray for them. Read it in Timothy. I don't care what party they're in. You pray for them. But here's why. Because they're the ones who have authority over the governing spirits of a region. 
and where some errors have taken place, I can come against certain principalities and powers as a pastor in this region, as a believer, but I don't have ultimate authority to kick out those spirits because they're, they're born by the governors, by the county executives, by the president of the United States. So my prayer is God saves them so they kick out those spirits. But when you have government uh, bringing in demonic spirits through all of our curriculum, through all of our bills, through all of the stuff, they're bringing in demonic spirits every day into stuff. And then we're wondering, why is Rochester have such a high murder rate? Well, you've got, you're inviting demons into our city every day. And you want me, as a pastor, or us as a church, to sell those spirits to stop. Now, if me and you, and we get a bunch of believers who are full of the Holy Ghost and power, and we take over all those positions, oh, we can kick some spirits out. But if we're not running the government, we can't kick them out of the government because those people are blind that's running the government. You can pray, you can try to bind them, you can try to minimize them, but until you deal with these perverted, unclean, demonic spirits, until you're willing to combat those and break and just repent before God and ask God for his mercy for allowing those spirits to come into our city, I don't have authority to ask God for mercy. I can try, and I do try, and I pray God have mercy on our city. But the one who has authority is the mayor, the county executive, the governor, and the president. That's right. That's right. So I can pray, but my prayer is for them to get saved. My prayer is for them to have an encounter. My prayer is for the leaders, because if their eyes become open, they can kick them out. Amen. So that's important. Governmental realms are important. And it's controversial because there's... Some people who believe we can just kick out everything in every nation, that doesn't work that way. At least not in my lifetime. I've never seen it. And how many millions, and I mean this, how many millions of prayer hours have gone in to praying against murder in our nation from believers, and we still have murder? But I look at our church, I know how many thousands of hours we prayed as a church, and you take all the churches in America that at least know how to pray, who actually have a relationship with Christ, and who are willing, there's probably millions of hours of prayer that have come against the spirit of anger and murder and hatred against what's going on in our schools, and those spirits are still running rampant. Because I don't have authority. I can only pray that they come and bow their knee to Christ. They have to have their eyes open. They can stop what's going on. So that's the, that's the governmental realm. The second realm is peop, other people. So you have other people in your life. Say, well, pastor, I, certainly I can, I can go after mountains and other people. Maybe. And, and, and this is tender because people get confused with this. But I think it'll help you if you understand. So... If there's people in your life which you have authority over and they don't have the power within them to be saved themselves, let's say a five-year-old, a six-year-old, then you can take authority and you can command things to go off of them. But if you've got a 15, 16-year-old, you can pray against those spirits, but they ultimately have to be a participant with you. They ultimately have to say, I want that spirit to go out of my life. The, you can pray. Your prayer is God opened their eyes. 
Your prayer is, God, I'm fighting for my child. I'm fighting for my husband. I'm fighting for my wife. I'm fighting for my friend. And you can pray that their eyes are open and so they'll have the strength and you can come into agreement and, and where two or three are gathered, you can push out the enemy, but they have to buy into it. You can try as hard as you want and say, I'm praying against the spirit of lust in my child. That spirit of lust ain't going if you don't want it to go. I told that spirit of lust it can't stay. Is it still there? Well, yeah. Because they are old enough to keep it. Now, you can pray that God exposes it, but I'm helping us because I think sometimes we get discouraged when we pray, well, God, why isn't it working? Because you can only work in the realm of your authority. Now, if you come to me or you come to somebody and say, I give you authority to cast this out of me, all right, I've got authority. But let me be, warn you, be very careful who you give authority to to cast out anything. I don't give authority for people to cast out stuff in me unless I know them really well. And even then, it's limited. And as I'm listening to them, I'm like, no, I don't think I want that. And I cut that off. I've had people pray for me, Pastor, can I pray for you? And they pray for things, and everything they're saying, I'm countering. Because their spirit isn't right. Sometimes you can get prayer. So just because somebody prays for me doesn't mean I received it. I'll be gracious, say, oh, thanks. I didn't receive anything they said. Because I want to receive that impression. If they're dealing with lust, if they're dealing with lying, if they're dealing with greed, if they're dealing with all these spirits, they're going to impart that to me. Why would I want that? Is this too deep? Am I hitting you too deep? Yes. <laughs> you know why this is important? Because believers get frustrated. They pray and they want to be set free. They want God to work, but they don't realize they have the power to do it themselves in their own lives. You have the power to kick out every demon you want if you choose to. But you have to realize, what is that mountain? You have to come to yourself. You need to waken up, wake up and realize, I'm dealing with a mountain of lust, or I'm dealing with a mountain of uncleanness, or I'm dealing with a mountain of greed. I'm dealing with a spirit of grieving. I'm dealing with a spirit of sadness or depression. You need to recognize, and you can tell that mountain to go, but you need to get at it at the root and understand that many times these things are passed on generationally. Your mom was depressed, your grandmother is depressed, your great-grandmother is depressed, and now you're you're still dealing with a depressed spirit or a grieving spirit, and you need to nip it and cut it off and say, I'm not going to receive it. Once you understand the spirit realm you're dealing with, you can tell this mountain, get out, and it'll go. Uh, Pastor, I'd just rather come to the prayer line and just have somebody pray for me because this is way too deep. I know. Wouldn't we all? But in order for this to work, you have to be a participant. In order for mountains to go, you have to open your mouth. And you have to open your eyes and recognize the truth of your situation. What is going on? And what did I let in? What is in my heart? If you have anger, if you have unforgiveness, oh, pastor, I love everyone. Well, except this guy, but I love everyone. But I hate this person. I certainly hate that politician. But I love everyone. So you've got a spirit of hate in you, and you wonder why your children have hate. You can say that this mountain be removed. Here's the other challenge. I say to this mountain be removed. Sickness be removed. In Jesus' name, I command infirmity be removed. I command this cancer, this heart disease, whatever, to be removed. 
Ooh, Google says I could die tomorrow. You know, I was talking to my friend, and my friend, you know, they had the same thing I've got, and they only lived a year. So while you're trying to tell the mountain to go, you're seeding the mountain with more demons. So when you seed the mountain with more trees and then you're trying to knock those trees down and say, I don't know what happened. I keep praying that this would go and I keep telling the, the, the enemy to leave me alone. Then why are you seeding it with unbelief and fear and doubt? He says, if you speak to this mountain and do not doubt. So when you watch social media and you watch, go to Google and you listen to your doctor and you say, well, the doctor says I have to do this and the doctor says I'm going to die if I don't do this. And that very well might be true, but you don't have to receive those words. You, he might say that and to most doctors, they don't understand the realms of God. They don't understand. And I say, okay, well, thanks, doc. I'll just go over here and I appreciate those words, but I'm not receiving them. Because I'm going to live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Because I know the word of God is in me. Well, I don't know. The doctor said I need to do that. Don't just get any medicine without praying over it. Don't get any surgery without praying. I'm not opposed to medicine. I'm not opposed to surgery. But pray over that. Pray over that surgery. Pray over that surgeon. I don't care if you have to stop the doctor and go, Doc, we need to pray. Because you're only going to cut what God lets you cut, and you're only going to do, and I'm not going to die on this table. So I'm not opposed, but understand, when you're dealing in those realms, you're going to have to know any word that is counterfeit to the word of God. You go, wait, 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 wait. Where did that fear come in? Where did that torment come in? See, the enemy will speak to you and say, you're going to lose your marriage. Your marriage, your husband's going to leave you. Your wife's going to leave you. The enemy can speak to you. Say, your children, they'll never be healed. They're always going to be that way. Wait, I, I'm not receiving that. You need eyes to see what God wants to show you. When I pray over my children, I pray what God shows me in the spirit realm. I don't pray what I see in the natural realm. You know, it takes a lot less stress off. Because we stress ourselves out. And my children, what's going to happen to them? And understand that some of these things are horrible. Addiction is horrible. Some of the demonic realms our kids are in right now, I've been talking about it for the last month. You have to understand, these realms are real. They will swallow up our kids if we don't get serious. But you just yelling and say, just stop doing that, isn't going to change it. You need to ask the Lord, what is that mountain? Once I see the mountain, once I understand the mountain, be removed and cast in the sea. It does not doubt in his heart, but believes these things will be done. He will have whatever he says. Whatever you speak. So if you're speaking, God's going to save me one day, but the next day you're saying, God, I'm going to die. You'll have whatever you say. Well, my kid's going to serve Christ the next day. Uh, I think my kid is a lost cause. You'll have whatever you say. Your words are powerful. And mountains are supposed to bow to you. Mountains, write this down. Mountains are a test. Mountains are a test of faith. 
Mountain is a test of faith. Because it says, have faith in God, whoever says to this mountain. So I'm going to have mountains. And he says, have faith in God. And whoever says, so mountains are a test that helps me grow my faith. And I get to choose what I'm going to do with this mountain. Am I going to serve this mountain? Maybe the mountain is unbelief. Maybe the mountain is debt. Maybe the mountain is sickness. So every time you start to feel something, you say, Lord, what is your answer to this? What do you want me to do? Remember last week I was telling you about my refrigerator, and I just began to lay in my hands on it and pray in tongues over my refrigerator because I don't know what to do with it. It's acting funny. And, and so I said, well, Lord, I'm just praying over it. You're going to do something. I don't know what you're going to do, but, Father, I trust you. And, and I began to pray. I had a guy come out and look at it. He says, well, it's going to cost hundreds of dollars da, 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 to do that. I said, Lord, is that what you want me to do? Is that the way? I said, Lord, I don't have the money for that right now. But I felt like the Lord said, do it. Well, the day I had to pay it, I got a check in the mail for more than what I had to pay. That was this week. Because I laid my hands on my fridge and just prayed in tongues. I just needed God to solve it. And I just needed to say, re respond to him and obey. God, I declare this refrigerator is going to work. God, either you lay your hands on it and fix whatever needs to be fixed, or God, you provide a new fridge, or God, you provide the money to repair it. I don't care, but I trust you. Yes. Now, me, I told my wife a week before, we got to go out and buy a new fridge. Because it's easier for me to solve it. I don't have to use my faith. And I don't, because faith requires patience. And I don't know about you, I am not good with the P word. <laughs> Patience. Ugh. Let's just go out and get a fridge. You know, it's so much easier. I could spend two or three grand and just put a fridge in. But every time I laid my hands on the fridge, and my wife, thank God, she's a godly woman. She goes, you think we should do that? I'm like, no. Because <laughs> she was right. Thank God she checked me on it. She goes, you think we should? I'm like, no, I don't. All right. It's just easier. I can solve it. And we do that with money rather than wait on the Lord. We do that with doctors. Well, the doctor says I need surgery. Do you think you should do that? Probably not. But it just sounds like I can get it over with. And sometimes we miss the opportunity for faith. Well, I'll just take them to that person. They can pray for them. Listen, you can bring somebody to me to pray for them, but it, it might be your faith that sets them free. It might be your faith that you have to engage. But some people, they, that's why people like Brother Shuttlesworth are so popular to people, because it's his faith. So he can pray for them and see the miracle. I, I don't have to use my faith. Or I've tried using my faith. And sometimes we do get tired and we need help. And so, by the way, he's in, he's in uh, Horseheads this week for the next four, four days. So he'll be there tonight all the way through Wednesday, two hours away if you want to go down. And so, but people want to rely on Brother Ted. Well, he'll do the miracle. He'll pray the miracle. Maybe it's your faith. Maybe you need to ask the Lord, what's the mountain? Go after that mountain and see it be removed. Jude chapter 1. I'm coming to a close here. Jude chapter 1, verse 20. It says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, Pray in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, 
But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, even hating even the garment defiled by flesh. Let me just give you quick five things, and then I'll, wrap, then I'll be done. First, so how do I build my faith? Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Oh, Pastor, do I need interpretation? No, I'll tell you for the millionth time. You don't need to interpret every time you speak in tongues. Jude didn't say, pray in the Spirit, interpret it, and then. Jude said, pray in the Spirit. Just pray in the Spirit. Build yourself up in the Spirit. You know why? Because it gets rid of all the clutter. It just starts to, it's kind of just a, it blows out the clutter when you begin to pray fervently in the Spirit. Now, some people pray in the Spirit while thinking of their problem. Pray in the Spirit while thinking about the Lord. And then let him speak and say, Lord, do you have something you want to say about my problem? Open yourself up. Number two, engulf yourself in the love of God. It says, keep yourself, keep yourself in the love of God. God, you love me. God, you love me. God, you love me. While I'm waiting for this miracle, I thank you. You love me. Never doubt that God loves you. Well, why didn't God answer? God loves me. I don't have to doubt he loves me. You surround yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself in the love, the presence of God. He loves you today. The third thing, ask for the mercy of God. It says, ask for mercy. Well, why do I need to ask for mercy? Well, because maybe I did it to myself. You know, truthfully, sometimes we get ourselves in trouble. Why did you buy that? You didn't need to buy that. Now you're in debt. God, forgive me for being in debt. Forgive me for allowing my children to go there when you told me not to let them go and they picked up something there. God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on my children. Have mercy on us. Ask God for his mercy. I pray that. God, have mercy. I know I screwed up. I shouldn't have bought that. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. God, have mercy. Forgive me. I need your mercy. Again, I'm trying to build my faith. Have mercy. The fourth thing is have compassion. Have compassion. You ever, if you've ever met a real blind person that is legally blind, every blind person I've ever met, I've had compassion over. They're blind. Hey, can I help you? Hey, what can I do for you? I don't have to ask them if they're saved or unsaved. They're blind. And when you're dealing with some people, they're blind. They're not saved. Have compassion. They're the meanest people in work, but they're blind. They don't know they're mean, or they might know they're mean. They might enjoy being mean. Maybe they're the king of mean. I don't know. But it doesn't matter. Have compassion. They're blind. Maybe God will use to save them to open their eyes. Because Jesus saved a lot of people by having compassion. He had compassion on a lot of people, and he saved them. He op they opened their eyes. And then the fourth thing is some people you just got to pull out of the fire. It says some you save with, with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Some you just got to grab them. There's times when, you know, it's all still compassion, but there's times you just need to grab people before they throw themselves too far down. And you just got to grab and say, hey, husband, wife, son, daughter, friend, I'm, I'm pulling on you today. I'm not mad at you, but I'm telling you, you're getting ready to walk down a road that's dangerous. And I'm pulling you out today and saying, are you sure you want to go down this road? Well, Pastor, don't you have authority over your kids to stop them? I don't. My authority with them now, they're all older. They're all like 20 years and older. My, my youngest is going to be 20 in a couple months. They're, gonna, they're 20 years and older. I don't, they have to decide it for themselves. But I can call it out on them and say, hey, I see this. Are you sure you want to go down that road? And I can pull some out. 
When they were little, I would have talks. When they were little, I mean teenagers. When they were little, little, I'd just cast stuff out. But when they were, once they became of age, I'd have talks say, are you sure you want to take on that spirit? And I explained what it was. And I wanted them to be a little scared. They said, save with fear. Are you sure you want that demon to come in your life? Like, ooh, demon. I don't want a demon in my life. Well, that's what that is. You just lied. You lied to your mother. You lied to me. That's a lying spirit. That's a rebellious spirit. And when, and when I would discipline them, I'd always lay my hands on them and rebuke those spirits. Because I knew what I was fighting. I wasn't fighting. And some of, sometimes I'd grab them. I'd look them in the eyes. And some of you have heard me say this before, but I'll say it for the people in the back of the room. Sometimes I'd look them in the eyes and say, now you, oh, my daughter's right here. I can do it to her. I'm not doing it to her. Am I embarrassing you? And so I'd look her in the eyes and say, now you I love. You I love with all my heart. But that spirit in you, it's going in Jesus' name. And you need to tell it to go, and I'll come alongside with you. And you look them in the eye and you tell it, that spirit has to go. But what spirit are you talking about? Well, that spirit. What's that spirit? Spirit of lying, spirit of rebellion, spirit of lust, spirit of perversion. What, 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 what mountain are you telling to go? And you can save some through fire. As we close this morning, I'll take the musicians back. Oh, Nice. Ask and you shall receive. I love Mel. I love these guys. These guys are the best. New bass player is good, by the way. He sounds good today. I like him. Sorry, it's just me and Mel talking. I let you in on that conversation. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. This is why we never give up. Hear that this morning. This is why you never give up. Never give up. For our present troubles are small, won't last very long, yet they produce within us faith, a work of glory that will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles. Again, we're in 2 Corinthians 4 where we started. Verse 17, 18. Rather, we fix our eyes on things which cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. We got troubles all around us. Maybe you got some stuff going on in your home and your family. Okay. It says we don't we don't give up. Number one, we fix our eyes on the Lord, and then let the Lord fix our eyes on the answer. Lord, I know this child looks a mess right now, but you said he's a man of God, so I'm declaring he's a man of God. You said she's a woman of God. She will serve you. She might be doing her own thing, but I'm going to do my best to come against spirits for them. I can't make the spirits leave them once they get of age, but I can fight that they'll wake up and command them to go themselves. Notice what the prodigal son and the father did. The father couldn't save the son until the son came to himself. As a father, I would have ran down and grabbed him out of that. And this is what we do. Sometimes, rather than letting them come to themselves through the work of the Holy Ghost, the father, you just, you just pray. And you war and you fight. And as, 
heartbreaking as sometimes our children can be, as heartbreaking as sometimes our marriage, our, our job, things can be as, as weighty as they can get, we know that God has a plan. And we latch into God's word. We latch into his promise. What is the scripture God's given you? What is the word God has given you? What is the sight God has given you? I don't know what's going to happen to that child. I don't know what they're going to have to go through. But I'm going to pray that God just hedges them in as they go around this corner, as they go around that corner, that the enemy may try to take them. But at the end of the day, they're going to come through the other side. At the end of the day, they're going to bow their knee to Jesus Christ. I would love to be able to pull them out and say, you can't go in there. But I can't force somebody's free will to do what I want them to do. Every person in this room has a free will. You can do what you want to do. Nobody can stop you. If you want to live a perverted life, if you want to live an unclean life, if you want to live a life of fear and torment and hatred and unbelief, and you want to live a life of grieving, you want to live that life? You want that mountain to stay? You can keep it. But if you see it and you get to the other side. This morning as we prayed, first service, the last few weeks actually, God's just been breaking mountains down. I've watched people get set free, this mountain, that mountain. This morning somebody came to me and said to me, Pastor, today, that spirit of grief that I've been living with for years is gone. It's gone. I identified it. I saw it. I've been grieving over something in my family. And I gave it to God and it broke. It broke. See, God wants to break chains, set captives free. God is for you, but you need to be for you. You need to be for you. If God is for you, but if you're not for you, the enemy will take you out. God's got a plan. God sees beyond. God will help you. But you've got to say, okay, Lord, just show me what to speak, what to say. Help me to stop saying the wrong thing. You know, that child is this close, and then you say the wrong thing, and they step away. That husband, that wife, that situation is this close, and you just let something out. Say, Lord, help me to see. And start speaking over them who they're called to be, what they're called to do. Start speaking over yourself. Some people can't even say over themselves, God's got a great plan for my life. God's called me. God's doing something to me. Some people are so down on themselves, they can't see themselves getting over the edge. A pastor, this thing is, I'll never break this. Stop saying you'll never break this. This is an addiction or this is a problem. Stop saying it's an addiction. It doesn't have to be. Look beyond and look at the freedom. God loves you today. Thanks again for listening to our Faith Church podcast. We are so glad you chose to listen to this message. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to receive notifications when we release new content. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Faith Church Rock to find out more information.
about what is currently happening at Faith Church.